Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 4 of the Derek Brinkley Podcast. Today we're going to talk about several different subjects. First, I want, I want to talk to you guys about a Twitch streamer called Sweet Nia. She's been going through a lot of uh, controversy lately. Recently on the stream she said a few, uh, I guess you would call it controversial things. But I don't think she should be get, get banned from Twitch. She, if you've never heard of her, she is a Twitch Twitch streamer with Tourette syndrome. Now, for the most obvious people that know even a little bit about Tourette syndrome, it's something that you can't control what you're gonna say. You know, I'm not gonna say what she said. Here on the podcast. But. I'm sure there's videos out there about it. But. I will be one of the people that will. Defend her. And I, I will stand. I, I support. Uh, the message she's trying to send. You know. Everybody. Makes mistakes. We all do. We're all human beings who make. Really bad mistakes. And we shouldn't be condemned by one mistake that we make. She came out and she apologized two, three different times for what she said. It takes like five seconds to look up what threat syndrome is. And it will tell you that you cannot control what you say. You may say inappropriate and controversial things and so she shouldn't be getting all this backlash it's wrong this whole cancel culture thing is wrong to be going I have and you guys have we've all made mistakes that we regret but the thing is, is, we, to a point, we can help what we say. She cannot. This is something she has to fight with every single day. And and I applaud that she's able to do that. Instead of giving her all this backlash and hate, we should stand up and applaud her. She is literally broadcasting to thousands of people. And for people to judge her for what she said is just wrong. But okay, we're going we're going to move on to a different subject. This is going to be this next topic is going to be about five shocking things that I thought happened in the world of WWE in the 2010s. Okay, so, and this is in no particular order. So, at number five, would have to be Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 26. Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker 
was a great follow-up to the first match at WrestleMania 25. Those two have been doing it for so long, have put their bodies through so much. You know, you can take a take away that you, we all know it's it's scripted. We all know that, but what they did on that night will live in the history of professional wrestling. And although it wasn't as good as the first one, it was still a very good match, and it was. One of those matches that started off the 2010s with a bang. You won't find many matches, especially today, that can hold up compared to a match. So at number four, would have to be Dwayne The Rock Johnson returning to the WWE. He had been gone for so long. Once his Hollywood career really picked up, that was around like oh three oh four. He was he was out the door, and once once he got even bigger, there's a lot of people that he would never actually make a return. Yes, I know he made technically made appearances via the you know Titantron, but I'm talking about actual in the ring appearances. So when he returned. To be the host of WrestleMania. I mean that crowd. I remember remember the crowd lost their minds. It was a moment in time. That not many superstars. Get. And want that type of reaction. I mean granted it is The Rock. You know so. It was. As you can say electrifying. So at number three would have to be Kurt Angle making his long awaited return to the ring. Kurt Angle had been gone for so long, it's about the same as The Rock, that no nobody thought the day that Kurt Angle would be back in the WWE was a huge moment. Because he spent a good chunk of his career with TNA, which is now known as Impact Wrestling. Uh, so when his music hit, and we, we found out he was going to be inducted to Hall of Fame, it has, has a, just a wrestling fan in general. Really was a cool moment. Number two. Number two shocking moment of the, of the 2010s. This actually has two parts to it. Was the retirement of Daniel Bryan. It was a very sad moment that had a lot of people disbelieve because he was he was finally on top of the world and then all of a sudden he had to call it quits due to his neck. And he was told multiple times you know, hey, you, you're never going to be able to wrestle again. Your career is done. Your neck's never going to heal. So it's best that you just stay out of the ring. And he kept telling himself that, no, no, what? I'm coming back. I'm going to wrestle again. He went to doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor. And finally, he was able, uh, was cleared to come back to wrestle. So that was a very... 
huge moment in the 2010s. Now, before we get to our number one, I do want to put one honorable mention in there, and that is the retirement of, of Edge. Edge was so unexpected when he retired that nobody knew. Well, if you if you're going back at that time, I think it was 2011. Uh, I think it was I think it was WrestleMania 27. If anybody knows, if I'm wrong, just let me know. Uh, so like a whole month before WrestleMania. Nobody knew that Edge had to retire. I think except for himself. He knew that he was wrestling on borrowed time. Because he had received a serious neck neck injury years prior. So he knew he wasn't going to be able to wrestle. But he ended up wrestling for like almost another. Was it nine years? And when he had to retire after retaining the world title. in In the opening match of Wrestlemania. It was it was a very sad moment, and it will always live in the history books as one of the saddest moments in WWE. So, which brings us to our number one, the number one shocking moment was at the Survivor Series in 2012. It was John Cena versus Ryback. Versus CM Punk. For the WWE Championship. For you hardcore wrestling fans. I think some casual fans will know about what I'm about to say. Everybody thought going into Survivor Series. Well a lot of people did. That Ryback was going to win the WWE Championship. He was on the verge. Of winning the title. But at the time. Three unknown men. Came rushing over the barricade and attacking Ryback and attacking John Cena, but they they attacked mostly Ryback. And then they took they pulled him out of the ring, they tore the announcer table apart, and they gave him a power bomb. We now know those three guys today has Dean Ambrose, who now goes by John Moxley, Seth Rollins, and Roman Reigns. They went on to become Known as the Shield. In my opinion, this is just my opinion, so I'm just let, let it be clear. They was known as the Shield. The one I would say the most dominant faction in professional wrestling history. That's just my opinion. It they changed the way factions operate in WWE. They changed the business. Each in their own way helped evolve what this what a faction is. And it's still the effects of the shield are still running through that company. And they have a just they have a same successful t- uh, faction. Well it's not so much the same, but they have another faction called the New Day who are doing just as well as the Shield ever did, if not better. So, um, it, it was it was great to see them debut. They went on for, I think it was like a year, undefeated. So, they, they definitely left a mark. 
And uh, it was just a really great time to be a wrestling fan. Now, I don't watch the product as much anymore. I'll watch the, for like the Raw and SmackDown, I will watch the highlights. But that's about it. Okay. Now, this is this has nothing to do with like top five shocking moments. But one of the biggest announcements in wrestling, I think this year, had to be the announcement of AEW. All Elite Wrestling. For the first time in almost 20 years, if, if not longer than 20 years, WWE finally had competition in AEW. Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks got their own wrestling company. And it's been doing very well for itself. I will be the first one to tell you, this is coming from what they used to say, a diehard WWE fan. I think AEW is a lot better. Now, you know, they have their issues, you know, just like any company does. They have their ups and downs, you know. But I like, I like with the company that wins and losses matter. They keep track of it. If you're in the world title contention and you lose a match, you may not be in the world title picture after that. They have, they, they focus a lot on their talent. They have incredible stars. Incredible stars in that company. Jungle Boy. Who I think will be a big star in wrestling within the next two, three years. He's already big now. His star is only going to go up. Marco Stunt is another guy. Maybe a small guy. But the audience loves him. And he's going to be another guy, if he's right, that is going to be an even bigger star than what he is now. You got Luchasaurus. A pretty big dude that can move around the ring like a cruiserweight. It has all the potentials to be a big star. You got your established stars like Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, Chris Jericho, which is I think one of their very first big, like really big signings to the company, has been in one of the best runs of his entire career. I think his run right now is better than what he ever did in WWE. Superstars are allowed to be themselves. To do what is right for their characters. You got the Lucha Bros. Very talented tag team. You got Proud and Powerful. Santino and Ortiz. Another great tag team. You got the best friends. Chuck Taylor. Trent Beretta. And Orange Cassidy. Three amazing wrestlers. And you got some very amazing women's wrestlers in there too. I was very impressed. I remember watching their very first show and I was impressed. I've been watching almost every single week. Uh, I missed the last two because, you know... So for some reason, it didn't record, but I, I've been keeping up with it, and it, it's just been really, it's been a really great time to be a wrestling fan. If you're a fan of anything but WWE, 
Okay, but we're going to get off the wrestling news. With the year coming to a close, there is one more movie I have to see this year. And next weekend, I'm going to go see it, and that's Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. The latest TV spot I think they should live with. That little trailer said so much that it's kind of baffling that they didn't start with it. I mean, I was already hyped to see the movie, but after watching that trailer, my excitement went from being excited to even, like, very excited. They did a very good job with that trailer. I think it's probably the best one they had in, what, five, six years? Uh, to prepare for the uh, movie... I'm going back and watching all the other uh, movies. Right now, I have to finish up episode two. And then I'm going to go on to episode three. Probably tomorrow. And uh, I'm, ho- I'm hoping to have that done and finished. Um, but yeah. I mean, I'm a big Star Wars fan. Uh, but I think the the original trilogy is the best. Um, it's just something about the original trilogy that is very exciting. Um. The whole Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader angle was good. Um, but it's what it's whatever you like, you know. I I know people that say that they love the original but hate the uh, prequels. Now I've heard people say they love the prequels and hate the original. You know, it's so it's whatever. That's the beauty about film. It's subjective. Just because I like something, you may not like it. And that's the beautiful thing about it. I haven't been able to see that many movies. So there's still movies this year I have to watch. I still have to watch The Joker. Still have to watch Peanut Butter Falcon. Jojo Rabbit. Uh, I think the movie's called Parasite. Still have to watch that. So, I, there's still several movies from this year that I have to get caught up on. Um, you know, there's some interesting movies coming out next year. Like, you know, Black Widow is a uh, movie that's coming out next year. I'm pretty excited to see. Um, you got Bad Boys 3. I haven't seen the first two that I do need to watch. Um, I'll be the first one to tell you I'm not the biggest Bad Boys fan. Um, my cousin's really wanting to watch that movie. So we, well, we might go see it. I haven't decided yet. But... 
not just with movies, but you know, in the TV or uh, world. I, I personally, I've been liking the uh, Arrow versus Crisis on Infinite Earth. Now it does have its problems, you know. It's is a little uh, cameo heavy. The it was a cool moment to see Lucifer, Morningstar, in the crossover. But I think I would have to agree with John Campion that uh, he really didn't need to be there. Neither did Tom Welling, because they made like their appearance is only like three, four minutes long. And then they they wasn't seen on TV and it has its issues, but I do like the crossover event. I can't wait to see the last two episodes of it. And now I'll be the first one to tell you, I haven't besides the crossover, I haven't seen a single episode of the new season of Arrow, Flash, and Supergirl. I'm usually the guy that kind of waits for everything to go to Netflix to watch it. So, I still haven't watched the latest season of Supernatural. It's the final season. Uh, some people have said it'd be cool to see Supernatural part of the universe. Now, I don't think that is going to happen. That's actually, I think it's very unlikely to happen. But a problem that people have had with the Crisis on Infinite Earths is that a lot of people feel that they jobbed out Batman. That's been a big subject as far as the crossover. I know that Superman hasn't had the best look in the uh, Arrowverse. They made him look pretty weak compared to some of the other superheroes. I'm not the biggest Superman fan. I actually think Superman is one of the most boring characters. And this is coming from a person that doesn't even really like Superman. I will tell you, they've treated him like shit. They've treated him like a pile of crap. So... And the whole uh, jobber thing, it it is a wrestling term. But they only brought him in to make Supergirl look good. And it's it's not right that they've had to sacrifice him. You could have him in the Supergirl show that, um, without making him look bad. And they've jobbed him out several times throughout the uh, Arrowverse. Uh, series. But the whole Batman one. They didn't really job him out. Look. He came from a totally different Earth. It wasn't even Earth 1's Batman. This Batman came from a different Earth. Set. Like 15-20 years in the future. He was a broken down man. That. Was just angry. He was in a suit. Like this metal suit. That he could barely even walk in. And. Batwoman got a cheap. A, a lucky shot. And, on, on Bruce. Which ended up. Killing him. 
So he, he's not really much of jobbing him out when he, he was already broken. I mean, both physically and mentally, he was already broken. So the, he wasn't really jobbed out. Now, dude, I think that's one reason why they have they have not introduced Wonder Woman, and I don't think, I don't think they ever will introduce Wonder Woman. I think that's for the best. Because I will say the one thing that I like is that they've kept the Arrowverse separate from the DCU. It, it feels like it's two totally different universes. I do like that. Now, I do like what Marvel's doing with their stuff, you know, and the Disney Plus shows that are going to be coming out within the next year or two. And how all that's going to be, inter- you know, connected to the movies. Marvel could do it its thing. I think DC could do its thing. The Arrowverse has been able to thrive because it doesn't have to worry about what is happening in the films. Um, I I can't think of the guy's name right now. The guy that plays the uh that played the Flash in the Justice League movie, but. You see, everything was connected uh, to the movies. You would have to have the uh, the that plays Flash in the TV series. I think his name is Grant. Uh, you would have to have him in the movie. So you would you would be limited what you could do. You see, so if you have it related to the movies, connected to the movies, the shows have to play within a certain sandbox. You know, so it makes it harder for the show writers to do their jobs because they have, they can't, if they want to tell a certain story in a certain city, oh, but the the people from the movie say, well, oh, see, we plan on doing this in the movies with such and such character, so you really can't use that or this storyline. It just, it, it limits them to what they can do. You see, if they want to introduce a story in the universe, they can go ahead and do it. Because it's going to have no effect. It's going to have absolutely zero effect on the TV show. That is one thing that the Marvel shows for Disney Plus are going to have to worry about. It's what they are going to have to try to figure out and, and try to get right. Because with them announcing that the... Uh, Marvel shows are going to be connected to the movies. It will, in some cases, further the stories. You know, from the shows to the movies. They have to play within a sandbox. I know people, you know, said that uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was connected to MCU. And they, they made references to it. But for the most part, it was basically a standalone show. When... Thanos did a snap. They act like it didn't even happen. So, you know, you know, things like that, you know. It's Netflix, at the time, the Netflix shows, Daredevil, you know, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage. When Thanos did a snap, they didn't, they didn't make a single reference to it. Because those shows were pretty much separate from the MCU. So, it's going to be a challenge. I do, 
as people said, and Feige we trust. I, I trust he will do a good job with the uh, handling of the TV shows and the movies. I, I know people, it's been a big subject. Is Spider-Man going to stay in the MCU? I do think it's interesting that they've said that he's only going to appear in one more crossover movie. And then at his own standalone movie. Because look, if Marvel wanted to keep him for, I mean, for a lot longer than just one appearance in one more Spider-Man movie, they would have announced already that Spider-Man is going to be here for years upon years. I do think that Spider-Man is slowly being phased out of the MCU. He is slowly getting hit, getting towards his exit. And I think Spider-Man will be going back to his own universe. Because there's a lot of characters that in his own universe that he can play with. You got Venom. They, I think they got Carnage coming. You know, they have a whole slew of villains and characters that Spider-Man can face in his own standalone movies. Not everything needs to be a, a connected, you know, universe. You know, like a multiverse. So, I... Like the Joker movie. It worked well because it was a standalone movie. That That's why it worked. It wasn't connected to anything. Like the original Spider-Man movies. From early in the 2000s. All those movies... Sam Raimi's Spider-Man was standalone Spider-Man movies, and they and they they worked. Now, I granted the the third one was out of the trilogy was the worst one, but the, the very first Spider-Man by Sam Raimi was, was an amazing movie that I would say is is perhaps one of the best comic book movies of all time. Easily one of the best comic book movies of all time. See, I do think there's a place for standalone stories. You know, it's just how do you do it? That's going to be the interesting part. Now, let's talk a few about a few games that are coming out. And, you know, game systems and some gaming stuff. Last night, they revealed... The next Xbox. And a lot of people expected it to be called Xbox Scarlet. That's what I figured it would be called. But they're calling the Xbox Series X. It looks like a, a little like a little PC tower of PC. I think it looks perfect fine. I think it looks fine. Now it. Visually, is it the best looking console made? No. But what does it matter what it looks like? As long as it runs and as long as it plays your games right, who cares what it looks like? That's the thing that I don't understand. As long as it, it, it does everything that it's supposed to do, it doesn't have to be the best looking console. I think the console looks pretty good because well I will say this it looks more than pretty good it looks 
pretty amazing. It's not like a big, you know, console that takes up enormous amount of space. So I think they, by them going to a different direction than what the normal console makers do. I mean, look at the Switch. It it totally blew everybody's expectation away because of what it could do. It's not only a gaming, you know, home gaming console, but it's also it could be a handheld system. That's what made it stand out. I think this can make the Xbox next Xbox stand out. Now we don't know what the PlayStation Five is going to all look like yet. We've seen patents of it, you know, like a little dev kit. But we all know dev kits are not usually the final product of a gaming system. The only one that looked remotely close, like the actual dev kit, was the PlayStation 2. And even then, it still had, you know, different, you know, a different look. So, and that's what you want with your consoles. You want your consoles, you know, looking different and trying something new than just doing the same old thing. The one thing that the Xbox does have going for it, though, is that with the Xbox Series X, it's going to be able to play all four generations of Xboxes games. It's going to be able to play X, the original Xbox 360, Xbox One games, and the new Xbox games coming from the new console. So that is a pretty cool feature. And you'll be able to use your Xbox One controllers on the new Xbox. And vice versa, you'll be able to use a new Xbox controllers on your on your Xbox Ones. That is really cool. That's really cool. And I'm glad that they're doing that. You know, my excitement for the next Xbox was like middle. But it's jumped it up several notches. That's how much it impressed me. And what I've heard from it is nothing but good things. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see what Sony's going to do, and the game that they showed off uh, with the Xbox uh, Series X looked m amazing. If that's what the graphics looks like on it, then you can count me in. I might have to pick me up an Xbox Series X. And, I mean, I'm, that's, that's no joke. I am going to get the PlayStation 5 first. But, I might have to get me an Xbox, the next Xbox, because it looks pretty damn good. So, I've had, I mean, largely in part to my dad. He, he's the one that got me into gaming. So, I've had pretty much every system. I've played pretty much every system ever made. Uh, the only system that I haven't had was the Wii U. That's the only system. I mean, I don't have the Xbox One either. So, this is actually two. But when, once the next consoles come out, I might pick me up an Xbox One. Just because it, it, it will probably be a lot cheaper than what it is now. I'm sure that once the next Xbox comes out, is the price on this going to drop quite a bit. I'm sure that the same will be done with the PlayStation. As far as I know, the only uh, company that's not coming out with a new console is Nintendo. But they don't really need to. 
come out with another console right now because the Switch is doing very well in sales. So they don't need to come out with another console. I'm sure within the next three four years, there'll be there will be another uh, console from Nintendo. I don't know if they're going to have like a Switch Two. I don't know what they're going to do. You know, because I think we're still several years away from that. Uh, there's several games coming out. I've talked about it before here on this podcast. They released a new trailer for the Final Fantasy VII remake. If you haven't played this game when it was first out on the PlayStation, I would really highly recommend Final Fantasy VII remake. If you're not a fan of the turn-based system, you don't have to worry because it's going to be a more modern combat system. There will be a feature in the game where you can, uh, you know, switch it to the old turn-based system if you want. Um, So, I mean, they're going to cater to both. But the game looks gorgeous, man. It looks absolutely beautiful. The characters, the world, looks even better than what it did on the original system. I mean, and that's not its own, that's not like a flaw with the original game. Because, again, back back in the day, that was the way graphics were. And then, I was just watching a thing for the new Fast and Furious game. I will be the first one there. I'm not the biggest Fast and Furious fan. I only started watching Fast and Furious when Dwayne Johnson joined the uh, franchise. And I will probably skip Fast and Furious 9 since he's not in it. Um, so, but the game, it looks, it looks good. The characters look good. I'm glad they got the actual actors from the movie to do the voices for the characters. Because if they would have got somebody else to, you know, to play Dom... In the game, it wasn't even Van Diesel. Then this game wouldn't work. It's saying, well, no, uh, Michelle Rodriguez's character and uh, Charlie Skip's character. If they would have got those two to do the voice acting for the game, I don't think they even work. So it's a good thing that they did. I'm sure they they poured their hearts out into the game because you know. I don't want to see any game fail. Just like I don't want to see movies fail. I don't understand where, you know, some people come and, oh, you know, this game looks like crap or this movie looks like crap. I hope it fails. You should want all movies to see. Whether you like the movie or not, look, my family loved the Baywatch movie. I actually thought it was crap. I didn't think this. I thought the story was not that good. It wasn't that funny. You know, the direction of the movie wasn't that great. And I liked Zac Efron. I liked Dwayne Johnson. And I think they worked well together. But what they had around them to work with was not that great. But I still wanted the movie to succeed. And to a point, it was a successful movie. The Rocks only had a few bad movies in his career. 
and he's been able to bounce back from it. You know, it's, it's every actor goes through, you know, bad movies. It, it takes a really great actor to come back and bounce, with, you know, back with hit after hit. Uh, so, you know, that's the cool, like I said earlier, that's the cool thing about, you know, film. It's, it's subjective. I'd, I'd take the same logic to, you know, to, towards games. Just because I don't like it, I want the game to succeed. I want that game to succeed. I wasn't the big fan of Minecraft back when it was, it's, well, it still is huge. It's not. It's not the game for me. But I'm glad the game succeeded. I'm not gonna go out of my way and hope a game fails. Before we end the show today, because we're getting close to the end, uh, I want to talk about one thing, and that's uh, movie theaters. When I went to go see Frozen, too, it. I think I mentioned it on the show before. It said the, the show started, you know, the start time was 12. We had to sit there through 30 minutes of commercials. You know, and little trailers and stuff. But if you say that the show time starts at 12, the movie starts at 12, then it should start at 12. We pay money to go see them, see these movies, it is unacceptable that people have to sit there sometimes to 20, 25, 30, you know, 40 minutes when that is not the listed time. That is unacceptable. That needs to change. There's just no way around it. People go there to pay for an experience and they expect to have their movie playing that when when it says it's going to be playing, you know some people you know figuring you know what the movie says it's going to start this time and it may not start for twenty minutes and then they show up and the movie's already started because they've had different experiences you know sometimes it starts on time sometimes it don't that's not the way it should be now if the if it's going to be like this then you need to tell people. That you know the actual time is going to be, you know, twelve twenty-five due to trailers, you know, and you know commercials. Then you need to tell people that because in today's day and age, people will try to find different ways to watch movies. Now, there's nothing like going to movies. You know, being around people. You know, enjoying a movie, hearing people, you know, you know, gas for air, you know, in certain movies, you know, it's just nothing like the movie. You know, the, one of the best parts about a movie, going to the movies, well, obviously the popcorn, you know, it's one of the best things about going to the movies, but just the atmosphere of the audience. The audience I I was with when I watched Frozen Two was was great. They made the movie even better. Not that you know Frozen Two was a bad movie because it was a really great movie, a very fantastic movie. Um, 
but they they need to do better. Something uh, needs to be done. I don't know whether you guys already know. I don't know how you get people's voices heard on it. Whether you start a petition or, you know, we do something. I don't know how we change it. But that is my little rant on the movie theater experience. I have fun when I do get to go to the movies. But there is, as a paying customer, there is a demand for change. They can't keep doing this to their, their fan base. If it was like a free experience, you know, you, you was free to go in there. All you had to pay for is like popcorn, then maybe. But that's not the case, you know. People want a A-plus experience. And for a lot of people, when a movie does not start on time, it takes them out of the movie experience. It kind of ruins the time. Um, so, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to, you know, bright, you know, like diss on them too much. Uh, so, I think that's going to be it for the conversation, that conversation. Um, but that, that's going to be all for t- today's, uh, edition of the Derek Breaking Podcast, episode four. Uh, I can't wait to talk to you guys about, uh, some other things next week. Uh, I will be talking to you guys about episode five and six of the Mandalorian because I haven't had a chance to watch it. So until next time, greetings, see you later and goodbye.